got a 45-minute sermon in me today. Revelation 12.10. Revelation 12.10. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit. I pray you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and minds to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I got my rest. I can stand now. Thursday, this week, I was worshiping to this song, Our God Reigns, Our God Reigns. And as I was worshiping, that passage of Scripture, that verse of Scripture in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, exploded in my heart. Now have come the salvation and strength and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. Now have come the salvation and strength and kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. He who accused them before the throne of God day and night. Now, and that word now struck me. That word now hit me in the gut. Now have come. It's happening right now. This is what John, the Apostle John, is declaring where he has been banished to the island of Patmos because of the testimony of Jesus, where he's lost everything, been stripped away from the church at Ephesus where he pastored in his old age, taken away from his entire ministry and banished to an island by himself because the entire world was anti-Christian. Because the Roman Empire was dead set against the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it seemed like he had just lost everything. And in fact, in the natural, he had just lost everything. And in the midst of this season in which everything was destroyed, he hears a voice from heaven saying, now. The voice from heaven says now when it doesn't look like now. I mean, if you could just imagine, if you could just imagine, you know, a few months ago, my daughter and I were driving home. We saw smoke. I said, oh, that smoke looks like it's close to our house. And as we got closer, the smoke looked even closer to our house. And as we turned to go up the hill, we realized that the whole hill up above our house was on fire. And from where we were coming up the hill, it looked like our house was on fire. And thankfully, the fire stopped just short of of the hillside by our house. The, The guy who lived above got in his tractor and dug a trench so that it didn't come down the hill to our house. Otherwise, we'd have been in trouble. Thank God for that. I was like, I saw him up there. I'm like, <laughs> you the man. Because I wouldn't be getting in no tractor in the middle of no fire. <laughs> Sorry, but it would. Um, imagine, though. Imagine, though. Your house did burn down. And you arrive just in time to see the smoldering wreckage of what used to be your abode. And everything you own has been wiped out. Burned to the ground. 
And in the midst of that season, you have to take your family to a shelter or to a family member's house. You lost everything, computers, everything. You've lost all of your livelihood. You've lost all of your clothing. You've lost all of your valuables. Important documentation was wiped out in that fire, and you're destitute. And in the midst of that moment of destitution, you hear God say, now has come the salvation and strength and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. God, do you not see what I'm going through right now? Do you not see the situation that I now find myself in? And God says, I want you to be able to hear a word from heaven that is more true than the evidence that you see on the earth. It's come now. The salvation of God has come now. And John declares it in the midst of a context that seems to be the opposite. What it means to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ is it means to grow in your ability to have more faith in what God says than in what you see. And and to grow in your ability to declare with certainty what God says, even though it contradicts what you see. Can you even hear God say, now? Now. Now, What sets up this entire prophetic word is if you go back to Revelation chapter 1, John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day is what? Sunday. Remember, the Old Testament saints worshipped on what day? Saturday. That was the Sabbath. But the New Testament saints worshipped on Sunday because they called it the Lord's day. Why did they call it the Lord's day? Because it was resurrection day. Jesus rose from the grave early Sunday morning. And so the church early on adopted the the custom of worshiping on Sunday morning. It was the day of their gathering, the Sunday morning service. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, meaning even though I was banished to this island by myself, I still showed up to church. I didn't make an excuse and say, well, I'm on an island by myself. I can't go to church. You hear people say, I'll be with you in spirit. I'm with you in spirit. Which is another way of saying, I ain't with you. (laughs) Or when somebody says, I'll be praying for you, that's another way of saying, I ain't going to be praying for you. (laughs) If you just keep it a buck. But John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, meaning I was with the church in spirit, even though I couldn't be there physically. I showed up at church at the time of the service, 11 a.m. Sunday morning. I put on my Sunday best. I grabbed my Bible and I went to church by myself. Why? Because John understood something that somehow we don't get. That in every act of worship, the entire church is present. The church in heaven and the church on the earth. In every... Why? Because we are the body of Christ and the body of Christ cannot be broken. It cannot be divided. And so one part of the body does not worship when the other part of the body, you know, the whole church is present in every act of worship. John said, I'm joining the heavenly throng, even if I can't be a part of the earthly throng. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I made it a point that even if I'm on an island by myself, I'm still going to church on Sunday morning. And it speaks something to his value. Because the value for the church is something that was nearly lost by an entire generation during the pandemic. 
One of the things that happened, this is a side point. One of the things that happens when you have kids, and my wife and I are going to talk a lot more about this in the days to come, is the temptation to stay home from church when you have kids is so strong. Why? Because I can't even go to the service for the first couple years. I'm just in the nursing mother's room, and some of the other parents in there are talking anyway and not listening to the sermon. And then we're distracted by the kids, so I can't even worship, so why did I even come? Let me tell you why you came. You came for your kids, not for yourself. You came to establish the value of being in the house of God with the people of God on Sunday morning in the hearts and minds of your kids. And if you're just thinking about yourself, you just, why, of course, why come? Because I don't get to worship. But guess what? If your kids grow up in the house of God, the value of being in the house of God is established in them from their infancy. And then what tends to happen is a lot of parents, they stay home for the first couple of years and then they've lost the desire to go back altogether. And a lot of parents never go back. And then you wonder why you raise godless kids. Because you didn't instill in them the value of being in the house of God. It's so important. For John, that value was so core to his identity that even on an island by himself, he said, I may not be able to be in the Sunday morning service in Ephesus, but I'm going to be with them in the spirit as I worship and as I seek the face of God. I've sanctified this time. I'm not missing it. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And everything that happens for the rest of the book of Revelation happens in that context. He wasn't walking down the street chewing gum listening to music. The Holy Spirit didn't interrupt him. He made intentional space and time for God. And God gave him revelation in that space. Revelation only comes in the space that you create to receive it. And that's all the revelation needs is space and time. Making space and time for God. And so, the first thing the voice says to him is, now have come the salvation. First he says salvation, then he says strength, and then he says kingdom, and then he says authority. Salvation, strength, kingdom, and authority. Actually, in the NKJV, it's not the word authority of his Christ. What is the word, Robin? Nate. Power. The word in the, in the Greek is exousia, which is authority. And there's a difference between power and authority, but power works too. Now have come the salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is God setting you free in the spirit, even though there's no change in your natural. That's really what salvation is. The people of Israel in the time of Jesus wanted an earthly salvation. He came to bring them a heavenly salvation. They were looking for a political action hero to deliver them from Roman occupation. And instead, he was the suffering servant of Isaiah, the son of man. Right? He came to offer them a spiritual salvation. We don't want, we often reject God's salvation because we want to, I need some more money. That's what I need. He's like, how about I'll give you some more peace? 
I'm like, nah, God, okay, I'll take the peace, but I need money too. He says, how about I give you some joy? Joy and peace are nice, but I need some money. I know you need money. The Father knows what you have need of before you ask. But how about you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Then all these things get added unto you. Heavenly salvation before there's an earthly transition. Now have come the salvation and the strength. What does it mean when God gives you strength? Do you know what the purpose of strength is? Is to facilitate endurance. You see, when God gives you strength, it means that your situation is not going to change quickly. Because if your situation was going to change quickly, you wouldn't need strength. Just anticipation. But when God gives you strength, it's him saying it's going to be a little longer. The enemy's going to imprison some of you for 10 days. But don't worry, if you persevere to the end, you're going to prosper. Salvation is a heavenly answer to an earthly problem. Strength is the ability to endure that earthly problem for longer. And then kingdom. First, salvation of our God, and then the strength, but then the kingdom of our God. And what's kingdom? Kingdom is the power of heaven to infiltrate your earthly problem. It is the ability to interject into your earthly problem the power of God that brings incremental and sometimes micro change to a situation. You ever seen somebody get prayed for for healing and they get like 10% healed or 15% healed or 25% healed or 50% healed? I used to be so confused about that. I'd be like, God, why would you heal somebody 80%? So people say, I'm 78% better. What? So either God heals you or he doesn't. That's what it feels like. That's what I used to say. No, that's not God. And then I read the verse where Jesus prayed for the blind man, and he said, what do you see? He said, well, I see all men as trees, which meant he was partially healed. And then Jesus laid hands on him again, and then he was completely healed. Like even Jesus had a partial healing. So I'm like, God, what is that? And all of a sudden I begin to realize that the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God comes upon you, along with it comes the power to interject incremental and sometimes micro change and transformation into a foreboding situation. The kingdom of God comes and releases signs that God's in the midst of it. That sometimes there's signs that God's in the midst of it. And what we want is the, to the total miracle. And the total miracle often does not come. What we have to learn how to do is to see the signs of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in an overall foreboding situation and rejoice in the coming of the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it's a small sign, it's a small sign that God is with us. Yeah. And sometimes that small sign is just the size of a man's hand. Yeah. But when the kingdom of God begins to break into a situation, it's always a promise that more is coming. That is, whenever God does something that's the size of a man's hand, our hearts begin to rejoice because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Which means if he started healing you, then you can trust him to complete the healing. Sometimes God knows exactly how much encouragement you need to keep moving forward. And the inbreaking of the kingdom is sometimes just that 
little bit of encouragement to keep going so you don't quit, you don't stop. And then he says, the authority of his Christ. You go from salvation to strength to kingdom to authority. The authority of his Christ has come. And what is authority? The authority of Christ is his right to rule over every situation, in every place, and at every time. The scripture says that that the heavens are already filled with the glory of God. The earth is already full of his glory. We don't see it, but it's real. The kingdom of God's already here. You don't feel it, but it's real. And sometimes at the moment where you sense it the least, it's present the most. I love when God works miracles where you're not feeling nothing. Because you can get this idea that God can only move if I feel. Which can fool you into thinking that it was actually my feeling that released the miracle. So when we were in Indonesia, one of those times, we went into this area, this village up in the mountains where no foreigner had ever come on the island of Nias. And there was actually witchcraft going on in that particular church. And so they invited us to this service, and I got there, and I was supposed to preach at this service. The atmosphere was so dead. I mean, it was dry. And it was a four-hour service, and they had all of this pomp and circumstance. And people came from all of the villages nearby. There were more people outside than there were inside. And I remember thinking, it is dead. I mean, these people, what is going on here? And I got up to preach, and the heavens were shut. And the hearts of all the people were shut. It was almost like nobody was in. They, they, were in, they were there to see foreigners. They weren't there to hear the word of Jesus, yeah. the word of the Lord. It was just like really strange. So all I was thinking was, I just want to get out of here. Yeah. I mean, this is oppressive. And we spent the night in the church. It was one of those things where, you know, they had to put one of those mosquito, blank, mosquito nets. We slept inside the mosquito net. You wake up in the morning and there's about 37 different species of insect looking at you. <laughs> like... You know, just waiting to pounce on you in the morning, like (laughs) the bathroom was the creek down the hill, you know, Um, that was interesting. We wake up in the morning and the pastor came in. He goes, "Um, there's a lot of people who have come and brought their sick with them and they want you to pray for them. And I thought, oh, no. I mean, when God's moving, I'll pray for every sick person you bring. If there's a revival and the Holy Spirit is moving and I feel the power of God pulsating through my veins, I will lay hands on everybody. I will go outside and lay hands on bent signposts to straighten them. Be straight in Jesus' name. When there's an anointing, it doesn't matter. I'll go after it. But when God is not in the room, when it's like there's no sense of his presence, his power, his glory, I don't want to pray for nobody. Pray for you. Why? So I can touch you? If God's not touching you, why do I? Because I don't like you. So if God's not touching you, why do I want to touch you? (laughs) I don't mean that I don't like you. So Joseph Sevier was with me. And some of you know who Joseph was. He used to be my associate pastor here for years. Um, And uh, I said, hey, Joseph, why don't you you lead the prayer service today? (laughs) And he felt so honored. He said, oh, amen. I said, praise the Lord. I'm going to sit this one out. So they brought in all the sick. They filled the sanctuary with the sick. And Joseph 
is going around the room praying for everybody. And I'm just sitting there on the platform pretending to have his back in prayer. Yes, Lord, do it. I know you ain't going to do it, but do you do it, Lord? I have no, no faith that you're going to do anything, but help Joseph not to be. And you could see Joseph getting more and more overwhelmed. You know, because at first he was like, hey, man, hallelujah, and nothing's happening. He's like, touch this one, Lord, in Jesus' name. And then after a while, he's like, 15, 20 minutes, he's like, Lord, touch. And he's praying. And then he looked up at me just sitting there watching him. And he goes, can you help me? He was so frustrated. I'm like, dang it. You were excited, man. I thought you got this. So I reluctantly came down and started praying for sick people. And, of course, Nothing happened. And so I just kind of sat on the platform, just kind of dejected, like, we just need to end this. Did we pray for everybody already? If so, let's just end this and just cut our losses and go home, you know? You don't win them all, you know? I mean, I'm not God. I can't heal nobody. Only God can heal, right? And this lady comes to me with her, with her little boy, and she lifts him up and hands him to me. And I'm like, better take your <laughs> it's like what what am I supposed to do and I noticed the kid's leg was bow shaped and so I asked our translator ask the mother what's going on the kid had never stood up before and the kid had never walked before so I'm like well, what am I supposed to do so I said Lord Jesus touch this boy amen and then I handed him back to his mother it's just my way of saying I did the best I, I tried I mean I prayed only God is the healer, not me. And I said, God bless you. And as soon as I handed him back to his mother, I heard this still small voice in my heart. And this is what I heard. The kingdom of God is here. And something awakened in me. I said, if the kingdom of God is here, then this little boy is going to walk today. So I went back to the mother. I said, give me your child. And I took him and I put my, I had his leg, his bow-shaped leg in my hand, supporting it under the knee. I said, I command this leg to straighten in Jesus' name. And in my hand, the leg went and straightened. Immediately, doubt flooded my mind. That can't be right. I stood him up and he's standing there. The mother's crying and weeping and falling apart. I'm like, he, they just played a joke. He came in like this and just went. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, and he's running around, and the mother's just weeping and crying, and I'm like, filled with doubt. And I grabbed our interpreter. I said, um, can you just confirm that that actually happened? Like, can you just go ask the mother, has he ever walked before? And she's like, no, Pastor, the, the boy never walked before. This is a miracle. I was like, go ask and just make sure. And she went and asked the mother. It's like, Pastor just wants to know, is this real? Like, did, <laughs> is this for real? <laughs> for real? <laughs> you know, when the pastor's surprised, like, could <laughs> you imagine Jesus being surprised? Stand up and walk. It worked? <laughs> Dang! <laughs> for real? You can walk? <laughs> Go ahead and walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it was like. And what dawned on me is, I have no clue yeah. at any moment what God is able to do right now. Amen. Do you hear that? Yeah. I have no clue at any moment what God is able to do right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The earth is already filled with his glory. Yeah. 
The kingdom of God is here. The time has come. The kingdom of God is here. That has been true from the moment Jesus spoke it. It continues to be true today. The kingdom of God is here. The time has come. It is here and now. And what I began to realize is that the Christian life, the growth of the Christian life transpires through a continuous act of repentance for my failure to believe that God is here and now. Do you hear that? Because apart from that, I'm just constantly trying to break into the presence of God. Come on, we got to break into the presence. Do you realize you're talking about breaking into God's presence? Like, how strong do you have to be to break into God's presence? <laughs> Can anybody break down God's door and barge in? You know what I mean? Like, I can't even break in your house. How am I going to break in God's house? Sometimes the thing I'm breaking into is simple faith. And I'm having to break down that door of unbelief in me that says, God's not here. He's not doing nothing. God has so much that he not only desires but intends to do in us. And all he needs is for us to believe. And what is it that he wants us to believe that he needs us to believe? That the kingdom of God is here and now. That this is the time. That now have come the salvation and strength and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brothers has been cast down. And Satan is called the accuser of the brothers. What does that mean he does? He accuses. And we typically don't understand the nature of his accusations. Because what, when he accuses you, what does he say? You're not spiritual enough. You don't pray enough. That's why you don't see God move. You don't know enough of the Bible. You still got this area of sin in your life. You're a heck of fake. Wait till, the, the, wait till the rest of the church discovers who you really are. I wouldn't even pray if I were you. Because you know how far you've strayed from God? You know how long it'll take you to get back? You've messed up. You might as well just forget it. That's what the accuser of the brethren does. All it's designed to do is to blind your eyes to the simple truth of the gospel. God is always with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. And his kingdom is here and now. Lord, open our eyes to the reality that every moment is pregnant with possibility for your glory to be revealed, for your kingdom to break out. That healings and miracles can happen at any moment. Lord, don't let me live according to my feeling. Teach me to walk in the truth. Because some of us get so discouraged because we can't feel God. But God never promised that you'd feel him. He said you would know him. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You don't have to feel the truth for it to set you free. You just got to know it. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who was from the beginning, not felt him who was from the beginning. 
The feelings will come and go, but the knowledge remains. I know him. I trust him. I believe him. I've received him. He dwells in me. He walks with me and he talks with me. His kingdom is here and now he's with me. He never leaves me. He never says, that's the truth. And I'm going to walk in that truth. And that truth is going to cause me to walk in perfect freedom. Bow your heads now. Father, I thank you today that you're with us today. I know this has been a little different kind of service, but Lord, I pray that the fruit of this service would be an awakening of our consciousness to the truth. Awakening of our hearts and minds and an awakening of our hunger and thirst for a greater outpouring of your spirit, your power, and your love. Open our eyes to see that which is now. Your salvation, your strength, your kingdom, your authority. Open our eyes to see that it is now. God, we spend so much time praying for things to come that are already now, that are already here, and that are already now. Open our eyes and open our ears. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. You got it?